0: imperfect action. I'm Brock Edwards, of course, and this is the podcast, the show where we're looking for ideas, information, inspiration to help us get out of our own way, take that next step and move forward. And today's guest is Alan Buttery. Alan, can you introduce yourself real quick? Who are you? What are you up to?
1: Sure. Glad to, Brock. Appreciate that. Um, Of course, uh, name's Alan Buttery. i uh, my day job, I am the Senior Vice President of Financial Operations with Sinex Corporation. Uh, it's a big technology distributor in Greenville, South Carolina. I, um, that means I run the uh, receivables, payables, vendor claims, customer service, and financial services business uh, for that company. And then in addition to that, um, I do a blog called Leadership First that focuses on really character-driven leadership and the idea that that, um, you know, at a very basic level, being a being a good human and a person of integrity and somebody who values relationships and service and trust is not only good practice for your life, but also good practice in, in business. Um, so in addition to that, um, also a part-time musician, been playing music now for about 35 years and a lot of different bands. So that's a little bit about what I do. <laughs>
0: All right, so you you know the the day job that you mentioned sounds like about five different day jobs all put together. You know, it sounds like you got plenty <laughs> going on there. Uh, and then you're blogging, and then somewhere in there you find time to to be a musician. And so, what what instrument do you play?
1: Uh, play electric bass, play a little bit of guitar, um, play some keyboards, um, do that, and then um, also a marathoner. So I try to find time to run as well. <laughs> so keeps me busy.
0: All right, so so you have the, the big job, a lot of responsibility, covering a lot of areas of a big company. Uh, a musician, you know, something that that takes up some time. You you write that takes up time, and. I don't know of anyone who does marathons and you know just trains on a part-time basis you know just when it feels right you know so <laughs> you've got a ton <laughs> going on here which actually is a nice segue and in introduction i mean the way we got connected is i came across an article you had posted called the balance myth and yes. if anyone if i would say that anyone sounded busier than what we normally think of when we think of work-life balance uh, that would be you so uh how, how does how does all that fit in what what is the myth around
1: balance so uh the the point of the the blog was really you know everybody's striving for balance they're striving for you know, I'll call it um, happiness for for the right level of activity in each of their priorities, and and when people are are saying they don't have balance or they're seeking balance, they're usually it's usually because they're they're really unhappy with the demands that are on their life, and they're unhappy with um, how their priorities are playing out. What's important to them ends up not being what they what they do. And so, yes, I have all these different things going on, but, um, you know, it's taken me a lot of years to structure my life around the things that are important to me and the things that I enjoy and that I want to do. Um, And not everybody has has been able to do that. And so I wrote the blog really with the idea of, okay, how do you take a look at your life? Uh, these are some of the things that worked for me in analyzing, you know, what's placing demands on my time, what's placing demand on my life, on my relationships, on my activities, in my career, uh, what's most important to me, and how do I structure and structure things so that I um, am able to do the things that are important to me that I want to do that should have a proper place and priority in my own life. And uh, in other words, I, I really approached it from the idea of there's no such thing as balance, all right? Because we, we got 168 hours in a week to work with um, and we all have to sleep. We all have, almost all of us have to go to a day job and do work and most of us work more than 40 hours a week and we're also tied up in in preparing for work um we're tied up in you know transit time to and from work and we're also and now with the uh, the way our technology goes in the world you know we really don't have the same lines or separation between our work and our personal space that we used to years ago and so there's a lot of demands that that becomes very um encompassing and then you know there's other things in our lives that are important to us um you know that you know su- oftentimes suffer um we, you know when people tell me they are you know they're seeking balance i think Really what it is, is they've got an earnest desire to set proper priorities in their lives and to make room for what is most important to them. So um, all that leads to this idea that balance is really not possible. What we really want is harmony. And harmony comes from making tough decisions about what's important to us. What do we value? What are our priorities? And structuring our, our life around those things.
0: Hey, you know, Jack Welch, um, former CEO of GE, I think he once made the comment that there is no work-life balance. There's just work-life choices. Yes. Um, I'm probably butchering that slightly and am I paraphrasing, but it sounds a a lot like what you're saying there. And, you know, I I would agree with that. We all have things going on. Like you say, you know, we we go to work, we've got to prep for work. We've got to sleep in there sometime. We've got interests, we've got families, you know, we've got all this going on. And when I, often when I hear people talking about balance or or lamenting not having balance. um, In fact, come to think of it, I I never hear anyone talking about how balanced their life is. It's usually just, you know, the (laughs) wishing something was different. It almost feels like for a lot of people, it's numerical. You know, if I work over X number of hours, then my life is out of balance. Um, And that's never been my experience. So, why is it? Do you think that people tend to fixate on the the number versus how they're working their priorities out?
1: Yeah. So if we just use use career as an example, um, you know, I I, I have friends and colleagues and we all know many examples of people that work 80 hours a week, 100 hours a week and and from the outside we would look at that and say okay, that's that's really out of balance. This person doesn't have, you know, the time they need for the other things that are important in life. And I think there are a lot of cases where that's true, but there's a lot of cases where the people who are doing that are doing it because they want to they love what they're doing they get energy from it they're fueled by it it excites them and it gives them a sense of purpose and so to make a uh, i don't think you can make a, a blanket or a categorical statement that it's simply about the quantity you know we do the things that we want most to do um you know uh there are things around my house that uh you know my wife will tell me um you know why haven't you done this um you know the honeydew list, right? The things on the honeydew list aren't always the things that are most important to me. <laughs> they're important right. to her. Right. Um, and so I do them because the you know, because they're important to her, but they may not get done all the time that timely. But yet I, I make time for the things that you know, are important to me and, and give me energy and give me happiness, right? So I listed all these things that I'm involved with, um, you know, marathoning. I, I make time to train six to seven days a week because that that's important to me. It's part of my health. It's part of my fitness goals. Um, it's part of how, and, and frankly, it's what helps me be effective at the other things that I want to do, Keeps my head clear, allows me to de stress and depressurize and to be much more focused and much more effective when I need to be on the job or I need to be focused on my wife and giving attention to that relationship. I'm much better at that, you know, if I've, if I've done the exercise and the, and those kinds of things. Um, and so, you know, I'd look at it from the standpoint, what, what gives you energy? What gives you purpose? What fuels your desire? And if you're, if you're working in a, in a place that gives you that, then That's awesome. But admittedly, a lot of people don't have that. Uh, A lot of times work is a means to an end, you know, to fuel the other things that you want to do in your life. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that. But, um, you know, if you can find if you can find purpose and, and energy, then you don't mind giving time to it. Right, um, you know, I don't mind giving time to, to training. I don't mind giving time to music. I don't mind giving time to things of faith because those are important to me. I don't mind giving time to my career. I've been with my company 21 plus years, and I love what I do. And if you know, have been able to uh, do more and more and expand over time, and uh, you know, it, it it's excited me. It's given me energy. Now, after 21 years, a lot of things are you Know, have a lot of sameness to it, but uh, technology industry in which I work continues to evolve, and so there's always something new to learn, and there's always some new challenge or opportunity. So that's why I've lasted this long is that you know what I do gives me energy.
0: Yeah, there's an old uh race car quote that says something to the effect of, you know, you've got to finish to win, like you know. crashing before you, before the finish line doesn't do you any good. You know, I, and for the career I interpret that as, you know, if you burn out after five years, um, that doesn't help. You know, you, you haven't won anything. uh, When we think about the long term of the career, you you know, one of the things that you mentioned, Alan, in in the article uh, was you mentioned determine what you will sacrifice Mm as a, as a key to trying to figure out balance. And it strikes me that maybe that's an area that a lot of us get a little stuck because perhaps we're not thinking of it as balance. Perhaps we're thinking of it as I want it all. Mm -hmm. You, You know, I, in, in the limited hours of the week, I want to be able to do everything to the fullest. And obviously that's not possible. So, so we, we, Talk a little bit more about this sacrifice. I mean, just because you know, sacrifice doesn't sound good. That you know, we like I say we want it all.
1: We we do want it all. Um, here, here here's something I've learned about most people, though. Um, almost everybody I know is, is tremendously gifted, tremendously talented, and what that means is is that they have the opportunity to do far more than they have time for. Or capability of doing, and so you've got to make choices about what you're going to say say no to. Um, and I can certainly give you some examples from my own life. Um, you know, uh, years ago, I used to uh, I used to be a martial arts uh, sensei in a karate studio, and. Uh, you know, I did martial arts for about 15 years. Um, I pulled away from that because it began to conflict with my with my work and other things that were important to me. So I made a choice to back away from that um, and, and, and get out of that. That had a very specific schedule, which as my life evolved, I was not able to keep. Um, and, but I had other fitness goals, which is how I got into running and that and the running really replaced. You know, doing martial arts for all of those years, so I sacrificed that. Um, but you know, to a lesser degree, there's a lot of other demands and things that pop up. Um, I, I've served over the years on a number of nonprofit boards, um, and I've backed away from a lot of those, um, not because they're not important and not because they're not doing great work, uh, but the um, but there's a time commitment and things that that. Um, you know, while I was good at it, and I think I was adding a lot of value in those contexts, I had to say, okay, I'm, I'm not making that much of a difference anymore. Um, you know, in the article, I said, you know, one of the things that drives me is, uh, you know, I only want to participate th- in things which I can make a profound difference. If, if I'm not going to matter, then I'm not going to be there. And, you know, over time, I didn't feel like I was making as much of a difference. So it became easy through that lens to say, uh, you know, it's time to let this, this thing go. Um, but you got to make other choices a- as well. Um, you know, with all the different things I have going on in, in life and career, I you know, I have to work really hard to prioritize family. Um, and so, I, I do a lot of my training in the evening, but I get home from work and, you know, the, the next two hours or so are allocated to my wife, um, was allocated to my wife and son. He's now in college, so we've got sort of an empty nest thing going on. And so, Now she's spending her day by herself and she needs, you know, a lot more of my attention and that's very important to me. So I do that. Um, So I sacrifice other things that I might do. You know, economists talk about the term. Opportunity cost. And basically the idea of opportunity cost says if you're going to do this thing, that's going to cost you your ability to do something else. And that's really what I'm talking about in this idea of sacrifice. What is the opportunity cost for the things that you want to do? You know, I can, I can serve on these nonprofit boards, like I mentioned, and those are good things to do, but they're, they're taking time away from something else that may be as important or more important to me. So I made a choice to sacrifice some of those opportunities so that I can focus on, you know, other areas, career, on family, on, on my training and things like that, um, you know, the, we all have to make these choices to a large degree to large degree or smaller degree. And we're all fighting the, the war of good taking away our energy and our time away from what's best. And so you got to make the, make the choice and, and say, okay, you know, in, in my list of priorities, in my list of values, here's what's most important to me. And I'm going to decide, okay, um, while these are all good things I can do, uh, this one thing is better than another and you can only make that value judgment for yourself but you gotta make that choice and say okay i'm gonna sacrifice this other good thing because something else is either more important to me it's more value or it's just or it's better
0: yeah as you know as you're talking there alan it strikes me that one of the traps i suspect many of us get into i I can guarantee i've gotten into this trap is you know we 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 do want it also we add things without making the conscious choice to take things away. You know, mm-hmm. because for a little while you can add something. Sure. But after you after you've added two or three somethings or life changes, you know, your kids enter a different stage of life, you develop different interests, whatever. And, and it, so it tends to be kind of balanced by default, you know, that is things get so out of whack that finally you break and then you have to reassess. Um, but it sounds like you're doing this much more consciously. How, how often are you stepping back to say, Hey, are things in harmony? What do I need to adjust?
1: Um, you know, there's a few, few guidelines, you know, pain's a great motivator, right? <laughs> Everybody right. knows, <laughs> you know, when, when things start falling apart, when, um, when the complaint level ri- arises, or um, the amount of pain that you're feeling or that others are feeling because of your choices starts to increase, that's a time to reassess. Um, I, I tend to take a, uh, a macro view of my life about once a year and say, "Okay, what are the things I'm doing that uh, you know worked over the last year? What are the things that did not, and and what?" what I need to do different in the coming year. So, I mean, a lot of people do that. I'm not a, I'm not a new year's resolution kind of a guy. Um, I'm like, you want to change your life, change your life. You know, you don't need January 1st to do that. Um, but, um, so there's, there's really two indicators. One is I do that macro look, you know, pretty on at least an annual basis. But the other is when the pain level starts to rise and and all those things I just mentioned, then it's time to take a look and it's like, okay, is this temporary or is this going to be a sustained problem? Because, you know, we all have trials and struggles and and things that come up or crises that come up that, uh, you know, Are very taxing emotionally, or and maybe taxing on our time, and so we have to deal with that. But is this a short term situation or a long term situation? Because we can all take a certain level of stress and pain, if you will, you know, for a short period of time, but it's not sustainable for the long term. Right. Um, You know, if you're living on the absolute edge of your physical, mental and emotional energy for, you know, for months on end, that's going to hurt you. Right. You've got to make some choices about what you're doing and and start to make make some changes. Um, But in the short term, you, you got a crisis, you deal with it you put the extra energy and resource behind dealing with the crisis. And then when when that passes, you can move on. But, uh, you know, if you get into a situation where it's really going to be a sustained problem, then, then you deal with it. You sit down, you evaluate, and you make those same kind of choices I'm talking about.
0: Yeah, well, k- kind of building on that idea, I mean, you know, as you're talking, one of the things that It occurs to me. So a lot of the listeners are, you know, entrepreneurs or starting side hustle or, um, you know, kind of like what you've done with your life, taking on these big projects like, Hey, I'm going to become a marathoner, you know? And, and as you mentioned, you know, you can, you can push hard for a little while, but I guess what I'm trying to work out in my head is how do you, how do you make that short-term drive forward while still keeping that long term in mind, because one of the things you mentioned earlier is that you know you've you've been with your organization and been very successful there over a couple of decades so you you didn't you know <laughs> burn yourself out in the first nine months and I, i'm I guess I'm struggling with my question there, Alan, but you know just well, how, uh, how, how,
1: well, let me, let me talk a little bit about the career because it, it's, you know, it's not all Ben roses, right? Um, there, there's challenges all the time. Uh, I've been here over 21 years, but, uh, if you go back to the beginning, I've, I've been fortunate to advance and move up with the company over that time, but I started as a junior analyst finance guy, you know, you know, back in, you know, back in 97. Um, and, uh, you know, at that time, the scenery wasn't changing a whole lot, and uh, it was a lot of work without a lot of reward, and you know, I wasn't sure I was going to stay around. Um, and you know, a lot of people earlier in their careers or early in a job, they're in it two or three years, and you know, they're sending out resumes and they're and they're looking for some something else or something better or more money or something, and and I was doing that as well, um, and but nothing ever quite panned out and something, you know, I, I made a choice career wise to, um, to start thinking about things differently. Um, you know, I, I read a book, um, I can't remember who the author was, you know, this was 15 plus years ago that, that was called how to be CEO. And, uh, the book was really about being the CEO of your life, about taking ownership for the things that are that are going on in your life. Um, and it it really affected my perspective. I said, okay, I'm going to look at Cinex completely different. I'm not going to start be thinking about my job as an employee anymore. I'm going to start thinking of myself as the business owner. Whatever task and areas of responsibility I'm responsible for, I'm going to own that. And treat it like uh, this this is my business. You know, a a funny thing happened as I changed my perspective and that's that I started to advance with the company, right? (laughs) You know, which was a good thing, but it also created a lot of new demands and a lot of new stress. Well, fast forward down the road, I made several progressive uh, jumps and got to a point in my career that I realized that, um, you know, I I was going to You know, hit a ceiling. And so this is one of those short term that turned into a medium and a long term decision that I had to make some big adjustments for. I decided to go back to school and get a master's degree while working full time, um, which created a whole new set of challenges on my life, on my family, um, as you might imagine. And, uh, you know, but I felt like I needed to do that in my career to be able to go to the next level. Um, and it, it did play out that way, but the um, but that was a three to four year period of time during which I was driving to another city to go attend classes and going to class a couple times a week and doing study groups and studying three to four hours a night and working a full-time job and having a family and uh, ha- having a, a younger son at the time. And it was, uh, it was incredibly stressful. Um, and so you do make hard choices. Um, and, and that was a choice that we made. Uh, You know, frankly, I made and uh, my wife wasn't completely on board with it. It created a lot of stress for us, um, you know, during that period of time. But, uh, you know, I I, I could see a payout at the end of it um, and I was willing to make that investment um, you know, over that period of time. So I talk about this, you know, I mentioned this idea about what are you going to sacrifice? Well, I sacrificed a lot of family time. I sacrificed a lot of free time. I sacrificed my ability to do other things, you know, um, you know, exercise and the other, and those kinds of things really were, were not happening during that period because everything was consumed with work and school and and for that for those couple of, for those few years my family frankly was getting scraps that wasn't you know you know you can argue about the value of that choice but you know i made one to say okay i'm going to do a hard thing and um, it's going to be very intense and very time consuming, consuming but it also has a it has a time frame it's got a window in which um, it will expire, and then life will start to normalize again, and and that is basically what happened. So, I mean, this goes back. I finished the masters in 07 um, and it and it set me up for a lot of subsequent success in my career, um, and, and you know, really led to uh, where I'm at today. Um, and things are a lot. You know, and I've got a lot more harmony in my life now than perhaps I had 10 plus years ago. Right. Um, would I make that same choice today? I don't know because um, I know what the cost was in hindsight. I didn't necessarily know what it was go in, at the beginning um, mm-hmm. and the cost and the cost was really high. Um, but you've got to evaluate each choice like that on its own merits. So if you're an entrepreneur or maybe you got a side hustle that you're trying to turn into a business, You know, it's going to take a lot of energy, you know, you know, know, Brock, we've talked about folks we follow that, you know, you know, say so you got to do the work and whatever it requires is the minimum requirement, right? So you've got to get in and and grind and, and, and make it happen. Um, and that's going to take a lot of energy and resources. And I don't just mean financial, but it's going to take emotional and physical energy to make something successful. And you got to decide if you can pay that price. Um, and, you know, if you do make something successful and the bet that you're making pays off, then, You know, you go from there and, uh, you know, hopefully reap the rewards down the road. But, um, you know, we all have to make those choices and we all have to make those bets and decide is it, you know, if you're making the big bet then, you know, I'm on the side of make sure you win, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> make sure you win. Um, you know, you're not going to go into it halfway. Um, so, right. but, uh, we all have to make those big bets and, and, you know, go all in to make something happen sometimes.
0: Well, let me ask this. So I'm going to shift direction just a little bit here. So you, you mentioned, you, you know, you're a musician, you were karate sensei, you, you do marathons now and i always like to look at these things that are a little bit to the side and what what can we glean from them what can we take that also apply to careers and business and so w- as you look across those I, I call them hobbies except all those things are much bigger than hobbies i mean they take a lot more commitment um what have you, what have you learned or what kind of commonalities have you noticed across those things that have helped you out in, in careers
1: um you know Music is really a, you know the the creative side of it is obvious, but what what people don't realize a lot uh, is music 's really about working in teams and working with others. The most successful bands are usually a group of guys that and or ladies that got together and they have great chemistry and they work well together and they can stay together for a long time. You know, you, you hear about the big hit band and then they break up. And the reason they break up is the, the lives change, the personalities change, the priorities change, and all of a sudden they can't work together in the same way. So that whole creative endeavor is that and how that translates to uh to life and business is, is, is really of how do you work with people? How do you work with teams? How do you strive towards a common goal? How do you um, build something that's greater than the sum of the individual parts? That's really, to me, that's what music and playing in bands and things like that is about. You know, in, in the martial arts, what you, uh, you learn a lot of things, right? So, so you know, being a black belt taught me, a, a, becoming a black belt in that process, I learned a lot of discipline. And I learned commitment to a process, and I learned that uh, you know this is really applied in my life. And I tell people this a lot. You know, you can accomplish accomplish almost anything if you commit to a path that leads to your goals. And martial arts really taught me that, right? Um, you know, you'll see uh, kids going to karate classes and things like that, and you see white belt, yellow belt, orange belt, green belt, blue belt, and so on as they as they progress. Uh, really what those belts symbolize, you know, is steps along a path, you know, and it's a path of learning both in skills and in discipline, but it's also a path of learning in in mindset, right? You you learn values, hard work, discipline, respect. Um, You learn the value of physical training. Um, And so there's just a lot of great things that are part of that process. So it was really the martial arts that taught me that, you know, you know, almost every goal, has a process behind it, right? You know, people say, I want to do this great thing, um, or they dream about it, but if there's no plan, if there's no process, if, if there's no way to execute on that, or, if, or even the first step, then it's just not going to happen, right? It's, you know, people say, you know, hope without a plan is just, a, you know, uh, it's just, isn't hope or at all. It's just, a it's just wishful thinking. So, um, you know, that's really what the martial arts um, taught me that, that applies to most of my life is that everything is about a process that leads to some goals so you know whether I want to blog or whether I want to you know, start a new business venture you know inside of my company i run the financial operations but i'm also an entrepreneur inside the company right I, i launched the financial services business i've launched various financial products that serve our customers and their customers and the way i've done that is by building processes that support those objectives so um that's really what i got out of out of martial arts um With, um, with marathoning and and that type of training, um, you know, the same things I learned in martial arts carry over, uh, learning to run marathons and getting better and improving your personal best times and all of those kinds of things and, and qualifying for Boston and doing all that stuff has really all been about process, right? Um, you know, you got to do the work to get the result. Uh, there, there's no shortcut, and that applies to everything. Um, you can't just walk out one day. You don't, for that matter, let's say you've only ever run a 5K, right? 3.1 miles. And all of a sudden you say, okay, I want to run a marathon. Well, you just don't go out and just do that, right? There's a training and a process that happens. People do do that and it, and they can complete it, but they may walk a lot of it and, and it might be very, very painful. So you can do a lot with that determination, but if you want to be good at it, then you're going to have to commit yourself to a process that, that prepares you for what you want the outcome to be.
0: All right. Well, Alan, this has been fantastic. And I, I appreciate those insights there just uh, on the, you know, I love seeing how Things that seem different relate so well to to business and just what we're trying to accomplish in our lives. Uh, As we wrap up today, two questions I always have for all my guests. One is where can people find you?
1: Okay, sure. Best place to find me is um, I've got a website that I post the blog to called leadership first. um, And that's plural.com. So you can certainly find me there. Um, Yeah, I've got a pretty big following on LinkedIn as well. And and you can find me find me in those two places.
0: Very cool. And then the, the second question is just how can listeners help you? What would your ask be of them?
1: Um, you know, my biggest ask is, is just, uh, you know, check out the blog and encourage others to look at it. Um, let me know your feedback. Um, there's some links to connect uh, on the blog site at Leadership First. And uh, let me know your thoughts. And, uh, you know, if you got positive ideas or even some criticisms I'd love to hear those and you know because I'm constantly trying to uh, make that better I really laid out the blog to just this is one of the things that I am passionate about is finding ways to help people grow and develop and that's the main that's the whole reason that's there so uh, if you can help me make that more useful then that, that would be awesome
0: excellent well Alan thank you so much
1: all right Brock thank you I've enjoyed it